Okay, we're recording. Um, welcome to Ed Dulting. We are very excited today um, to have a very special guest, Tracy Brown. Um, Tracy Brown is a somatic nutrition therapist and dietitian. She's an attuned eating uh, coach and an embodiment teacher. She helps people come home to themselves through their bodies by healing the relationship with food and weight, as well as feel safer and less stressed in their bodies. Um, for 12 years, she's guided people one-on-one -on -one and in group healing from disordered eating and chronic dieting, uh, many of which have PCOS and other stress-related conditions. And she also provides training to health professionals as well, which is very, very much needed. Um, and we're so excited that you're here. Welcome, Tracy. Yes, Thank welcome. you, guys. Thank um, you both for having me. I'm excited. And um, yeah, we can't talk about enough about this stuff in terms of learning how to navigate having and being in a body. It's tough. So I'm glad we're going to talk about all that today. Me too. Yes. Um, so for our listeners, oops, I am Ryan Mitchell. I'm a um, licensed professional counselor in Oklahoma, and I am joined um, by my co-host, Tara. Tara Rolfes. I am a mom to three, wife to a dude in the army. Um, I, as of July, I'd be a nursing student. What else do I do? I don't work anymore because I don't, I'm going to be doing a nursing student thing. Um, year one in solid recovery of eating disorder misbehavior. Cool. So, yeah. And I, I do the writing thing a lot. So I do. And so, on also, oh, go ahead. I so, said, so, so, Tara, it sounds like you have a lot of jobs. So don't cut. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know adulting, we like to talk about, um, recovery related topics, struggles, concepts, um, trends, debunking trends and myths and mythology and, and just real life, um, how to walk out recovery in real life. And I think one of the biggest pieces um, in terms of recovery is this concept of embodiment coming home to your body. Um, and so Tracy, I would love to hear more about like what you, what you think, what embodiment means to you. I looked at some definitions before we started today and they're all kind of fancy and I'm not a super fancy person. So what I would say is that embodiment, it's just being able to be with what is like you're in your body, you're feeling the joy, you're feeling the angst, you're feeling the messiness and we have enough resiliency like to stay in there with whatever's going on. And, um, just fully be in it. So whether that's our, our food or when we feel anxious and our you know chest is pounding, but we can learn to ride the waves of that, that's embodiment. It doesn't always feel good, but it's, it's real. And um, I feel like we get a chance for a whole lot less suffering in life when we learn how to do it and how to, I guess got to be it because we can know in our heads about recovery and intuitive eating, but being able to, like I said, walk it out in life and trust that the next bit of feedback is coming, then I think that gives us a lot, um, you know, it gives our brain something to wrap around like, Oh, this is just what's happening. And then something else is going to happen. And it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I often call that like learning to feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. Being uncomfortable mm -hmm. with the uncomfortable. With Uh-huh. Allowing those sensations to allowing, allowing yourself to like, feel and register those sensations. Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but in my own recovery, I had to learn not only how to like, oh, there's anger. I locate that. I feel that. I hopefully productively do something with that, but also joy and also pleasure. And we get kind of bogged down. Like I want to get rid of my anxiety or not feel so sad or whatever. But it's like, can you actually, how good can you stand it? How good can you let your life be when it actually is good? You know? So that's embodiment in my opinion. Without, yeah. without that sense of like, wait, that anticipatory dread, you know, waiting for mm -hmm. to drop. Yeah. And just be, right. be in it. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. I struggle with that still sometimes. Like, everything's good right now, but like, <laughs> what's, what's next? Because like, I know something else is coming and that's just like anxiety acting a fool. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tracy, I, mm -hmm. I'm curious how you, how you start with your clients, like um, really getting them to 
to connect with their bodies when they've tried for so long to be disconnected often described like um before entering recovery it's almost like with eating disorders it's almost like floating head you know Mm -hmm. it's like my head is here and it has these thoughts and these perceptions and then my body is somewhere else and i have no idea it's like you're cut off from the information it's giving you but it's cut off because it also feels intolerable to be there so how do you like start to encourage your clients to be there Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to start with like the, the nitty gritty, you know, of the nutrition counseling process is that you show up how you are and depending on what your behaviors are, um, gives us a, a place to start. Like if you're not eating enough at all, it might feel really difficult to go from barely eating to like fully what you need to be well nourished. So you just start adding, adding little bits as probably people have experienced and, um, and doing that, I'm not a, like a super strict meal planning kind of person. I'm more like, okay, well, what do you think we can do and what will work for you? And how can we just make this grow so you could get the feedback from your body? Mm-hmm. Like life isn't falling apart if you do eat a little more or if something does shift. Can we like, so like be with that long enough to like see what's going to happen and then go to the next step? Um, you know, if somebody's coming from a different perspective of things feeling compulsive on the eating end of things it's more about can we slow down enough just to see if we can check in what you um you know worth maybe in this goes for restricting too but thinking and feeling before any of that kind of stuff happened so at least you can know like over here you know here's the physiologic need and then here's the emotional need and what do those both feel like and let's just gather this information Mm. because if you put some light on it it's less scary it's almost like oh i know what that is i know what this is we might have beliefs about what it means to get any of those needs met, but at least we can start from like fully seeing it. And, and even if you can't fully feel it, at least see it. And if you have to like, okay, I see it, but I'm going to put that back away now. That's okay. You know, even a molecule more a day or a week or a month of just feeling something without running or suppressing or numbing or whatever, that's progress. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's so good. That's kind of one of the questions I had is, um, how do you teach your clients like how in early like early recovery versus like middle recovery versus more advanced mm. slash intuitive eating recovery? How do you teach them to um, figure out hunger cues and distinguish them between things like anxiety and like fear and stuff? Oh, beautiful, good question. Well, at the beginning, we all, no matter what the every, and I want to make sure people know that. I don't think restricting is any better than binging or purging. Everything's it's some side of the same coin. It's just, you know, things flip flop all the time as well as, you know, we do have our go. One isn't better. And even though you might've got some pat on the backs for being really good at restricting at some point in your life, doesn't make it less damaging, you know, because people have a lot more shame with binging and purging than they do sometimes with restricting. So um, we want to wash the shame away because it's all equally life um, you know, degrading. So at the beginnings, then we all just want some containment, right? We want some containment from like, um, the worry and the chaos. And again, I'm pretty, I, I, I try to be loose about it as I can, because I don't want another authority telling you what to do, even though I have to guide you, but we want to get, um, some re-nourishment back because you've got to get your brain back on board. And, and being able to discern things because a lot of times we don't, I didn't know like, Oh really? Like food is about something else besides I just want to be thinner. Really? Oh, okay. I didn't recognize that because my brain, I just didn't have any grounding enough to like have any higher thinking. So we've just got to get some stability going with your food. And then, you know, whenever you get more fully nourished, whatever month that ends up being in the process, is when you start maybe doing a hybrid of things like, okay, well, you got your meal plan going and we're doing variety and we're doing taking risk and we're doing some different things. And, and we're still looking at your beliefs around good food, bad food, and um, you know, any fat phobia you got going on, we're looking at all that. And at the same time, can we start to look at when you eat this food or eat this meal, what's that even like for you, you know, beyond um, the beliefs, but just just that, that somatic physical, um, yeah, when you eat pizza, you know, what is it like? Cause sometimes we assume that's going to feel bad, but maybe it's totally fine. Can we just start with that and then keep growing like this storehouse of felt like, you know, felt sense information. 
And by that time, the longer things go by, the more, if you have to be rate restored, that, the longer that's been happening, probably with a year or so. Um, if, if weight restoration wasn't one of your like needs to be done, it's more about just, um, you know, having some stabilization with whatever has been happening with your weight and your cues feel more normal, then you just start, start with, you know, either using a hunger scale, if that's something people, you know, if you like to use. Um, but you, again, you're still just gathering information. You want to know like, oh, I ate this and physiologically, physically, I felt this. And there's something else. Like if there is anger, if there is dread, if there is shame, there's some frustration, that's sometimes that's in your gut, but sometimes that's other places. Like I have a lot of people feel a lot of sadness in your throat. They're like, Oh, so full. I couldn't swallow a bit. That must be because I'm too full. I'm like, well, let's look at your food. And if I'm looking at like, well, what's going on that feels so much? Cause I don't think it's your food right now. Cause I'm just looking at it and I see that it's not actually too much. Where are you feeling the too much? And just start kind of like, you know, unthreading that from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think that's a really important piece of, of the work is, is learning to properly code all of those sensations. I found mm-hmm. like, um, and, and I found, you know, contradictory research, but more research is trending toward, um, you know, people, especially more on the restrictive eating disorder side, having compromised interoceptive abilities. Um, but like that, that used to be the, the status quo, like they're compromised, they just don't feel as much. Um, but there's new research right. showing that maybe it's actually a sensory sensitivity and mm-hmm. using, um, using starvation to, to numb, you know, like we do mm-hmm. other, other emotions is also kind of like numbing down that bombardment of interoceptive information. Yeah. So yeah. A, a lot of the work I do initially too, um, in therapy is learning to distinguish between kind of like you said, Tara, like. Um, I felt really nauseous after this meal. Well, was it, it was it impacting my body in a negative way, or, or is that nausea related to guilt? Like, like you said, Tracy, mm-hmm. what else is going on? What other sensations? What other thoughts are you having? To see if we can then properly distinguish that, because so many mm-hmm. times eating mm-hmm. disorder just labels that as you're full, you're not hungry. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I mean. I've heard that, you know, I've been doing this long enough to like see different kind of things with research and I take all that with like, yeah, okay, great. And what's my client experiencing right now? Right. And, and just from you, when you learn about like what else is like, what their, their history has been with everything, you can already kind of see like this person is sensory wise. I mean, the, the dials turned up pretty high, you know? So it's like everything is going to maybe be felt more soon or, or, quickly or intensely or whatever. And they don't even have to have a label of like sensory processing. It's just, right, right. You know, we just feel stuff. If you're a highly sensitive person and then the other end of the spectrum, you're trying to help people who maybe that dial is just not quite as sensitive um, to look a little closer at themselves and not, it's not like just, maybe it's not just the color blue. Maybe it's like bluish green, you know, or maybe it's like uh, turquoise, yellow, like all the different, variations of things they could feel and you have to help people to slow down and um you know and that's where one of the things i help people do a lot of times if they don't know their hunger and fullness but they're eating enough to notice you know they, they're eating enough to be able to know it's just that the attunement's not there yet um or the safety isn't built enough to want to look that close is like well, can we check in maybe more often maybe not i know you're not going to be hungry every hour but can we look just just take a peek in even a peek more often you might not do anything about it, but can we just like notice that like your body does have all these shifts and subtleties all the time and doesn't mean anything's wrong or bad. It's just that that's just how bodies are. We're always processing information. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What about, um, do you think that hunger cues could be so damaged that they are like lost forever? Because that's one thought I had, um, I think when I first went to treatment was that I'm never going to get my hunger cues back. And it took, mm. I think it took almost two years. Like I'm just now getting hunger cues back regularly. Okay. Okay. I've never seen people's get damaged. What I do find is that um, they're so suppressed, especially if there's a lot of um, defensiveness towards if that makes sense. It's like everything feels like so much. I just don't want to go there. 
Um, and it all gets in this, like you said, this really black and white shuffle. So I personally haven't, I'm trying to think about all the clients I've ever had. I've only known one person who yeah, couldn't do a hunger and fullness and she had her vagus nerve cut, you know, so of course she's not going to register stuff because that information from the gut to the brains is, is gone now. Um, but I, in, in terms of recovery, I don't think that I've ever seen somebody that'd be so damaged that they can't use them or they have to rely on a meal plan forever. I haven't seen that. Um, but you're right. It can take a year. It can take two years for things to get really clear. And, um, but they do come back. That's not my experience. I, you know, I'm not saying that I know every seen everything, but um, cool. I think as we're going on that pr process, do a lot of parallel work with other things work on just feeling comfortable enough to be in your body and, and trusting what you feel. Yeah. And, and to that end, like, do you have any, um, like, tips or skills or interventions you use for people that don't necessarily feel safe in their bodies right now, whether it's like trauma or prolonged disordered eating or people who just don't feel safe yet in their bodies? Yeah, I think we have to just be really gentle. I mean, I've got a lot of, um, and I'll, I'll send this link to you guys, but there's a, a, um, a two minute uh, exercise I learned from, yeah, one of the many therapists I kind of did some supervision and training with, and she wasn't even sort of specialist, but her specialty was, um, uh, attachment, trauma, and shame, mm -hmm. um, developmental stuff. And so it's called rain stick. And basically it's just, you guys can't see me, but it's an attunement tool. I guess I want you guys to link to it so people can go watch it. Um, but I use a lot of very like safe body movement tools to help people just, it's like outside of having to like mess with hunger fullness, but just being able to like get more ground in their bodies. Other things, when I was in a session with a client and she could feel she was pretty ungrounded. So we just started with basic stuff like feet. And you'll feel your pinky toe, next toe, next toe, next toe, on the floor, on the surface, the ball of your foot, the heel of your foot. And just being able to make contact with what is here, like in your bottom supporting your chair and your back supporting your back. And notice when you make contact with things. And then also orienting, you know, to your surroundings and um, you know, and also another thing would be just to, if there's anything in your body that does feel good, there may not be, and that's okay, but it could be the tip of your nose. It could be your earlobe. Um, and if we don't have that, if some place feels neutral, we actually go to those spaces and try to cultivate that. Um, and when I start sessions, I do that sometimes. So people can just transition from wherever they were or whatever anticipations they had into you know, building some safety for the session you can get started. So whatever is going to come up, it's like there's already a place of kind of feeling some um, nesting, you know? Mm -hmm. And then um, and then everybody's different bodies that much. And that's understandable. That's part of the function of an English word. I don't want to be in here. It's too much. Yeah. Um, so we start with the outside. You know, maybe weighted blankets are really helpful for people. Or um, if I, if, so, if, you, if somebody's having a really hard time with their meal and they can't just sit there without feeling like I'm crawling on my skin, can you sit on one of those little stability balls and just bounce a little bit so you can stay at the meal? Do. I like that. I like but that. also like bounce a little bit. Not. Yeah. So maybe we can do outside in of like, can we, can you move some of that adrenaline that's in your system right now? Can you move that like down and out, like out your hands, out your feet, by out your butt, by bouncing on that ball. It's a little bit enough just to get that focus from that racing, like something's unsafe or bad to like, you feel the contact and it's all outside of you. So nothing's like invading you. It's like outside. Okay. Okay. You know, I'm eating my meal or my meal plan or I'm eating and I'm trying to stay. It's hard. Like if you've got other sensations that don't feel good, but that you're also, but you're also very, dedicated to recovery that you want to start trying to stay present to your meal but if that feels hard then sometimes we need something outside of us that is very neutral or safe to to do but that's but that's not ultimately too distracting to like your meals um i got some other things too like weighted blankets are good um you know sometimes again if we just have a lot of good for people a lot of people who I, you know, I work with, with binge eating, 
um, I try to help them move a little bit more, not an exercise kind of way, but if your system's kind of like slow and you feel like, I can't really tell, I can't really feel anything. It feels kind of sleepy or like not, not dissociated, but just like, I don't really know what's going on. Sometimes it's just good to get up and walk around, like, you know, every 90 minutes or something. Um, especially if you find yourself unconsciously drinking or eating something, because to me, that's all we're trying to do is do some soothing um, or, or try to wake ourselves up or actually trying to ground ourselves. So it goes both ways. But, um, you know, movement sometimes pop up a system that's kind of like I can't tell I feel more and or somebody who it feels like you can't stop but it's like these other grounded things could help but also um interestingly enough things like planks and things like that that are like you feel sensation but it's outside in Mm -hmm. yeah and something that just struck me like my brain my brain's always like "Mm," worrying um something that just struck me too that that whole inside out versus outside in it makes perfect sense to me because um even when you think about um, some disordered behaviors, um, a lot of them are to to expel, right? To get rid of, mm-hmm. um, not just get rid of the food, but often that's used to like get rid of feeling, to get rid of sensation, to get rid of, that's right. mm-hmm. of thoughts, to get rid of, to just get rid of the anxiety. Um, and so that makes sense to me too, to be able to visualize then teaching people you know, people who struggle with that more of like, okay, what's another way we can get this, translate this energy and get it out externally versus like, well, think about it. Yeah. Like there, there is that taking in. And so again, how can you then build up the inside um, to be a greater source of information? So you don't need so much coming outside in. That's right. I mean, I think of it as too, like, that's what my son does. He has ADHD. And when like he gets since he also has sensory processing disorder and when he gets overloaded like he starts moving a lot because that's I think they call it like stimming or something but that's what he does Mm -hmm. to like get all the energy out is he just starts moving and so that makes total sense that that would also be helpful for people who you know need to get all those feelings out too is that they would you know move as well so yeah It could be, you know, you all, I mean, again, we're doing these things not to term these other things as, um, you know, compulsive activities, but just more about like, can we help even turn the notch down just a little bit to like, okay, feel better enough to where I can like process what's happening internally, you know, first a little bit of grounding, a little bit of something, then we can have the discussion or then we can take the risk. Like if you're at a restaurant and you're like, oh, I thought I was fine. I'm not fine. I said, take a bath, bath and vacation, <laughs> wash your hands or go to install. And if you can breathe or do rain stick or whatever, just give yourself some space, like create a space. Then you can actually use your other tools that you know. Um, you mentioned the purging. Sometimes you try to yourself sit there at the table, right? Because this is my mm-hmm. challenge and I'm going to attack it and I'm going to do it. And like, you just try to like white knuckle through the meal. I think we can right. options available. I like that. Right. Bath and vacation. Yeah, for, for me, my family would not let me escape to the bathroom if we were doing it. They'd be like, where are you going? No. So I would have to like step outside and just be like, oh. I'm stepping outside for a minute. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be outside whatever, or go to the car. And um, I have another client that does really well with music. And auditory is really good for people sometimes to like be soothing. And so listen to you know um, I, I make my clients be picky about what they listen to because some things get you hyped up again we don't want that we want that mid-tone where it's like soothing and um, and if I have a client that drums on her um <laughs> on her steering wheel and that really brings her anxiety down it's like okay I'm gonna have my snack now and go do what I was gonna do I'm good so um I think we just get creative and I think you know, whatever things we learn from books or from other people, um, we just get creative for ourselves. And as practitioners, client, like, okay, well, what does your body need to do right now? So then we can go to the next level and feel more inside. Let's help the outside in first, if that's what feels safer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm and, glad you brought that, that, individu- that individuality as well, because that's another thing too. I, I don't know if you see this, but I see a lot of patients who come in and they want, they want, they want it to be very prescriptive. Just tell me what to do. I'm like, but the what to do is to listen to your body. <laughs> and so yeah. I don't know yet how to tell you what to do. 
Well, what I would say to that is like, you know, well, let's figure it out together. Let's work on your own individualized list. And as the weeks go by, you're going to have like a pretty rocking toolbox of like stuff that just really works works for you. And you can even know which situations certain ones will or won't work. Like I've been working with a client for about, it's getting close to two years and you know, she's got lots of tools now and she uses and she's like, and that rain stick thing will not work with me if it's related to this situation, because that's a total trigger, but any of the time that won't work, you know? So that's what's really cool is that we have our own life skill set, you know, when we don't really insist on there being one right way to do any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's too, like, um, also to building kind of that overarching, you know, to use like a hot term growth mindset, you know, where it's more about like, what am I mm-hmm. learning from this situation? Um, how can I improve that any comparisons are just used to like, what can I glean from that? That's useful to me, you know, taking in feedback, but also like focusing on like not success or failure. Cause it's, I'm just learning right. the situation. I'm learning what works. This works this time. It doesn't work in this situation. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's valuable across the board in recovery. So I love that. Yeah. Here, do you have any more questions? Um, I do. Um, what is your favorite way to joyfully move your body? Not necessarily mm-hmm. exercise, but just. Um... My new current is um, I coach my daughter's t-ball team. And it is so fun to just be out there, you know, chase around a bunch of four to seven year olds. Um, it's just, it's turned out to be way, it's like true joyfulness. You know, I didn't, I've had different times in my own recovery. Um, like eh, I just take walks cause I really like doing that, but you know, there's nothing I really just love doing. Uh, right now I really love that. Um, just to be outside in the morning and, um, I think I get to combine, like, I always think about intrinsic motives. Like, what do I like to do? I like to, I like to, to move, but I also like learning as I'm doing it. And I like the connection. And so when you start to think in, in about what, what you want to get out of this, it takes the focus off the outward stuff around body and, and calories and all that kind of stuff. And we're like, Ooh, I feel filled up, you know, whether that was gentle or was more intense. Um, but yeah, for me, it's like right now it's coaching T-ball rather like an hour and 15 minutes and you know, I'm moving in some kind of way, but it's not at all exercise. It's just, it's just fun. And, but otherwise I like to walk. That's my other favorite thing to do. Um, and cause I like to learn and read and listen. So that never gets boring. You know, it's not always like, Oh my gosh, it's the best thing I ever did, but it's usually always pleasant, you know, pleasant. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also have some, another question. Um, it's more along the lines of like, what do you do if you have a patient that is not a um, like typical body size in recovery and um, doesn't need to like weight restore, but then mm-hmm. just like starts randomly gaining like tons of weight because like something is like metabolically metabolically like wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what your question is, what do we do about that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, there are things in our life that we can't control. This obviously this person, we get the best medical care we can, all the right testing, all those kind of things, but they're still not on the table. Unless like there's something like, oh, this person has celiac, and of course I don't want them to eat gluten or wheat because I don't want them to get deathly ill and feel really terrible. Um, but we still just have to do the best we can with really truly listening looking at meal mix for satisfaction um and you know their control but the last thing we would ever do is actually put somebody on kind of any kind of restrictive plan to kind of control their weight because as soon as this problem whatever this thing is going to happen what do you think is going to happen this person is just going to like rebound terribly and then and, and you know i it just to me it's very unethical you know whatever the situation is so let's take eating disorders out of the play like you know, let's say you have lupus or you have just some kind of condition that, or a mental health might maybe cause weight gain. You have to look at like, well, a person's quality of life and their ability to function is so much better 
and all you had to exchange is like 10 or 20 or 30 pounds to be stable. And that's what we want to help our clients with. It's like, you might not love it. I'm not asking. Um, but we have to look at the big picture of your life. And I know that's really difficult in a fat public culture. And so was, um, you know, your lupus might not be well controlled and you might be in so much pain that you can't get out of bed if you don't take that medication and it might, or whatever is going on, or if it's something else, it's like one of those things that I'm not saying that like the eating doesn't matter and we're not being attuned to it. We are. Um, but you know, trying to be restrictive, it's just, you know, going to end up doing way more harm than good. How do you deal with like doctors in a fat phobic culture? Well, that's a good one. So I help my clients advocate for themselves in terms of, you know, if, whether they're going to be weight or not, whether they want the discussion or not, or whether that means they bring a letter or, you know, something from, let's say, Linda Bacon's website or in Chastain. She's got a letter about, like, I practice, you know, intuitive eating, health and resize, whatever kind of things work. Um, but basically, it's more like the mental and emotional preparation for being your own advocate. I think that's the most helpful. And if the doctor is just can't get with the program, doctors fire that one and find a better one. I mean, there's, I want people to know that they do, they do have options. I mean, if, they, if a doctor is like insistent, like, oh yeah, your labs are great, but you suddenly lose weight. I'm like, that old science just move. If, yeah. And some people it's hard because they let me like their options. If it's, if, if, if this is feel it's getting internalized in you that they can't store for it's like you can know that what you're doing is definitely working for you and your body and your your health and your recovery then either we move on or we ignore it because they're not really open and so either you know, it's a we have to it's almost it's not people's fault that we live in this culture but it's almost like what do we do we live that makes a difference between how much it's going to like make our life suffer or not. Yeah. And I've been doing a lot of thinking too, about like how our role in ex like, um, cause I, I had a client recently who was like, well, this culture's not going to change. And I was like, well, not as long as we keep agreeing with it. Yeah, that's right. Um, not as long as we yeah. say like, you know, okay, well, I guess I have to try to bend myself to contort in this, you know, I, this mindset. What if we stop and contorting ourselves to that mindset? That's right. It's like, you know, that's the culture we have right now. And I think that, you know, they're, um, we're still in these, these growing pains with this, you know, and, and it's probably going to sometimes get worse before it gets better. And we're also trying to learn how to like be in it together. Um, but in the day, I do think that it'll be a, a set, hopefully not decades and decades, decades where it's like, we're going to look back and think, gosh, we were so freaking barbaric to each other, seriously, about this whole weight thing. Um, hopefully sooner than later. But in the meantime, we're all still here live, trying to like do the best we can. And, um, you know, I one, just want to be the best advocate I can for um, people with holistic health and fat shaming damages people, bottom line. Regardless of what their behaviors is, it's not okay. It's just, it seems very, very elementary to me. It's just not okay. Yeah, I just overheard... Um you know, a family member's friend, they were on the phone, it was on speakerphone, talking about how she re recently went to the doctor and there was all of this pressure, you know, to lose weight. And she's like, but my cholesterol is fine. I've been this weight my whole life. Mm -hmm. I'm active, as active, you know, she's got some health issues. But she's like, I still get out and I garden and I walk and I do my thing. And what is he talking about? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. no that's like, And that's the kind of resiliency Right. So that's the kind of resiliency that we want to have in ourselves. That's the kind of resiliency and like sovereignty that we want to have. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Just because somebody said something, even with lots of degrees, doesn't mean that like they're wrong about everything. But if health is about our indicators and what we can do with the bodies we do have at whatever level of functioning they can do, it's like, and the problem is what? Just because you don't like the way I look? <laughs> that's what it kind of boils down to. It's like, oh. So I just kind of need to keep doing what I'm doing and, if, you know, keep staying attuned to myself. So it, those of us who are, have read this, it's possible, 
um, to be okay with yourself, even if a lot of people can't handle that. Doesn't mean that you're wrong and it's worth the effort. Yeah, I was just telling Ryan before you got on the call, like I was in the hospital last week and I overheard the person I was sharing a room with, the doctor telling her that she was healthy because she was thin. And she and I were having a conversation. She smokes like a pack of cigarettes a day and she drinks like a beer or three almost every day, like heavy drinker, heavy smoker, um, barely eats any vegetables, like beyond like all that, never exercises and her doctor was telling her she's healthy because she's thin. And I'm like, <laughs> weight does not equate health like at all. And my doctor was like trying to like weight counsel me despite the fact that my file says over and over again, like eating disorder patient, do not say weight, do not weight counsel or whatever. And um, mm. her uh, intern said, yeah, but she can like back squat 110 pounds. Can you do that? Like. And I was like, yeah, and I can get up and down the toilet by myself. I don't need a nurse in here to help me get off the toilet. And she does. So whatever. Mm. But like, yeah. I was just like, so like outraged. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, so Tara, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Besides you saying it like that, it's just so ridiculous. I mean, how, how long did it take you to get to that place where it's like, this is ridiculous. I mean, come on uh, now. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I don't know. Like how long was it Ryan forever? Probably. You know better than I do. Yeah. I know. I just, uh, it's only been probably about six months ago, maybe. Yeah. I would okay. say in the past several months you've been, you've been really like in that mindset in that like, Hold yeah, up, this is ass hattery kind of mindset. Yeah, it just okay. really pissed me off. Like, well, because like I, my, you know, yeah, a lot of a lot of my stuff has changed. Like, I was like normal BMI and all that, but um, like my body just went berserk with all my eating disorder behaviors, and I have PCOS now, and like I gained a bunch of weight, and I just kept doing recovery because I I knew that like well they're gonna figure this out eventually they're gonna stop like I went through five or six doctors all of which just yeah. told me that I just needed to lose weight <laughs> it's not and I was like it was just crazy and finally you know I found one doctor that was like no you have PCOS and my dietitian was telling me you have PCOS and I was, yeah. so yeah it was just crazy so but yeah so it's only been within the last well, six months that. Okay. I, well, I ask, I ask you that because I mean, it's a really powerful testimony, N not just, it's important to hear it from other people that who aren't professionals. It's like, yeah. I mean, I've gotten to this place where I recognize like, I'm okay. Like internally I'm okay. You know, I just because they say something doesn't mean that I'm not okay. Like other professionals, it's like, you don't give your power away anymore to like, the opinion of you know yeah just looking at you and deciding that something that you should do something about something so i'm glad that you said something because that's really powerful yeah i just don't deal with your asshole anymore <laughs> yeah and i think yeah. tara too like a testament a testament to you is like you you don't just don't deal with it from doctors anymore you don't deal with it from friends from family members on faith like you just do not deal with it Period. Period. You're shutting it down. Just give zero. Zero fucks. <laughs> I do because like I'm so I'm my whole family is in the medical field, pretty much. And um like my entire life I've I've been athletic or whatever and I've always been told that I was too heavy, which I wasn't. I'm five seven and I'm athletic, like whatever. So I'm just tired. I won't raise my kids to have body standard norms. I won't raise them to have food standard norms. I just won't. And I just am tired of it. And I won't deal with it on social media and I won't deal with it in friend circles and I won't deal with it in my family anymore. And so many of my friends and family are so tired of me going on rants about body image and stuff, but I don't care. Like people need to get woke. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. I, something that strikes me too in that whole like and getting woke. Um, 
I, and I see this frequently, like the, um, you know, there's the body positive movements, body acceptance movements, but they seem to often, and I think they're getting there, right? But they seem to often leave out embodiment where it's more about like, um, and I posted about this recently, like it's more about like building your self-esteem instead of challenge, in addition to challenging the culture, but like, wait a second, if we challenge the culture, why do I, like, if my team is damaged by the culture and I challenge the culture, like, isn't, uh, but then there's this, and it just kind of leaves out embodiment where it's more mm -hmm. about, you know, again, we're going to challenge the culture. We're going to build, um, we're going to empower ourselves. We're going to build self-esteem and self-image, but we're not getting, we're not telling ourselves to necessarily connect to the information in our bodies. Um, and that that is a good bridge for a lot of people who struggle with the idea of like, um, you know, body acceptance or body positivity, like, well, let's just start with, you know, like you talked about at the beginning, Tracy, let's just start with accessing the information our bodies are giving us. Right. Um, and I think that's well, a good pathway to that body acceptance. Right. Well, I just want, that's how I got into the somatic work because, um, you know, I was in recovery. There was just like, well, eat your meal plan and then you're fine. So there was like you know, nothing. <laughs> this is like yes. you know, 1990, whatever. Um, so I had to kind of figure these things out. And um, I didn't have like body, BOPA wasn't there. It was just like, well, I just want to care about my body less and live my life. That's what I want. That was my goal, you know? And so I think this new, it's not new, but it's like, it's just bigger now and visible, which is great. It, of, um, yeah. Challenge the culture. We had, yes, we do all that. That's an important piece. Like you said. how I got to some of this other, like, how do we build up enough, like basically build up enough of our own internal resilience and like, kind of like broaden this window of tolerance in general for like sensations in life and then work with our nervous system to like kind of, kind of tune down this, like, always looking for threat, you know, in our nervous system. I mean, that's why people get, um, I think just all over the place with, with like fear and sensation. And I can't like let go of dieting and binging because just body positive stuff. Screw that. Because the moment I let go of one of these things, then I get too anxious and I can't deal. Mm -hmm. So how this came about is like, you know, I was doing that kind of work. Like it was about eh, 2011 and, um, you know, some of my clients yes, were doing really well with like, um, you know, re-nourishment or stabilization of the eating and then intuitive eating and lots of body image work and culture challenging. And they were just off good to go. You know what, no matter what size they were, they had health concerns, you know, melding that in. And then I had, you know, and I didn't know, I knew some of my clients who had trauma, but I didn't really know the physiologics of what was happening in them. But I just started observing my clients like, they would have times of like really high anxiety or times of like amnesia and just could not remember a thing we'd worked on. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, what, what's going on with these clients? Like they're super bright and actually really insightful, but then something will happen. It's like, it's all gone. I'm like, where's this going? And wh where are they? What's happening to them? And that's how I got down the rabbit hole of like sonic experiencing and all the different little other ways of doing somatic work with people. And basically I've learned how like, I'm gonna help. if you don't really have a, um, a regulated nervous system, it's going to really be really hard to learn. It's going to be really hard to do intuitive eating. It's going to be really hard to like just feel your emotions to process them. So, or process them. So that's what I've been doing is like adding that component where some of us just need to go slower and that's fine. You know, some of us like aren't going to be big activists yet because, you know, you know it's just too much you know, or to let go or to even like, you know, if our belief systems are all skewed in, like it, let's say you've been told like, Oh, you know, having self-esteem makes you selfish and like narcissist, you know, somebody basically really worked your brain, you know, it's going to take a while to be able to even like sit with the sensation of being nice to yourself to feed yourself well, because that has gotten so cold with some kind of shame. So I feel like I'm like helping people uncouple food and body and shame and deal with the sensations of that thing separated out and then recouple it with something healthy, which is like, yeah, it's normal. It's like when you're hungry to have pleasure and be satisfied and doesn't make you a crappy person. I mean, some, that's the level at which some of us have to work and it can take as long as it takes. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so that's why it's like, it's kind of a big jump sometimes to go from like, you know, restricting and binging 
and being okay with your body. Just because we know logically, like, yeah, body hatred sucks. I don't want to do that anymore. But to not be that way and feel that way in your body is like, that's just the bedrock of my neurobiology. I don't know how to be different. Have you ever recommended to your clients to like cover up their mirrors? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Cover up mirrors. Um, Again, I just go with whatever it is like, that's a problem. So like, okay, look in the mirror makes me super triggered and I can't see myself and I can't deal. What do you think would be helpful? And sometimes covering mirrors works. Sometimes just like just staying focused on like, you know, the the chest up and brushing your teeth, combing your hair and getting out. Um, yeah, whatever we need to do. But then eventually, of course, we want to get back to the place where all this stuff is neutral again. So it might be, you know, um, there's a really, I don't know if you guys have heard of her, but Vivian Master does a lot of really good um, photography work around body acceptance. Um, I've had, she's in my self-study course I run and I've interviewed her a couple times and, um, you know, just being able to take little peeks sometimes without judgment of something that like you don't even hate, but you're just neutral about can start healing that process if you can't go to like oh i see my face and i'm good with my acne you know it's just part of being human and that's that's a big jump you know so i think if you can like look at like part of your face and not hate it that's a big step or look at your nose and not hate it that's a big step yeah we did that at my house and then i had i have daughters so mm-hmm. and my 12 year old daughter write um positive affirmations all over mm-hmm. the room. And her friends notes. Yeah. and I had them write yeah. that all over the mirrors. I just told them it was something. Oh, oh, oh. I love that. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, affirmations and notes. I know, um, you know, when you see yourself, it's really hard to like see past sometimes like what you look like based on what you think other people think or what the culture thinks. But sometimes it's kind of nice to have photos around that, like if you, you're really sure. Like I know I was happy at that moment. Look at me. I was happy in that moment in this body, um, it starts to kind of, you know, bringing the possibility like, yeah, this body is capable of life and joy and pleasure and having fun and being happy. Um, you know, so whatever direction we get there, it's just, again, um, I don't have a set way of doing anything. It's more about like, like here is what this individual person desires. Um, and and then where are we at? And let's do some little experiments to see how we can get there. But I love that one. What you're, what you're doing. That's really cool. I know that there was a time I had to like have my husband change my Instagram password because I would just scroll like to like past pictures of me like when I was really disordered and just like, yeah. I was like, you just got to like change my password. I can't look at that crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a, I do tell my clients to clean up all their social media. Like there's no good, there's no good detoxes except for your social media detox, you know? So it's like, you know, close your accounts, make new ones you know, or do some cleanup, block some stuff I mean, whatever way, um, you have people have, maybe have a lot of family that they do want to stay in contact with, but not some block some, keep some open. Um, I have clients that have two separate Instagrams, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. That's what we, that's what, always what we push is like, make sure you're cultivating a good like atmosphere. for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You gotta fill it up. You gotta fill it up and surround yourself because, um, yeah, I mean, really, it's all about building just, you're really yourself from the inside out of like, um, basically. Yep. All right. Um, any other topics we didn't hit on, Tara, that you were? I don't. I, that was all of the questions. Some of the questions I had, you already asked. So. Okay. Ryan, hit him. What's what's one thing, like, when you think about, like, that court kind of, like, um, what it it looks like uh, in terms of, like, being in relationship with your body? Um, Mm. Like, how would you define, I don't know how I would define it, like, how would you define, like, what that looks like when when you are, like, fully embodied, when you are kind of listening and integrated in that way mm-hmm. I love that question. so I think there's there's just flexibility about it where some days you just feel 
Yeah, really good. And things feel easy and um, you just enjoy that. And, and, and for me, I still have to kind of like monitor my, um, if, there, if there's a little bit left of my nervous system around like, there's a little bit left of what we're thing. So for me, it's like, I am pretty clear, like, yeah, that's just one, one left of my little Achilles heel. And just kind of monitoring that when I feel really good. And then what feels good now is to be able to like, you know, when I'm having a slow day or kind of headachey or, you know, not being that productive. And this is what it is. And I work with my body each hour to see like, oh, I used to think that if I woke up a certain way, this is the way I would be all day. It was like, no, that kind of lifted after two hours and I'm kind of good the rest of the day. So um, I think just being willing to be really present and flexible with like what you're feeling and um, honoring that feedback without it meaning actually something about you. It's just something you're going through, but it's not who you are. I, I, to me too, there's also this mental shift from my body is, is failing me to mm-hmm. um, have I been failing to listen to it? Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. like, you know, my body is failing me. Well, did I, did I pay any attention to any cues before X, Y, or Z happened, before my ankle blew, before I came down with the flu? Like, have I, have I been attentive? Um, and having patients to have that mindset shift from the, all the ways in which they feel like their body has failed them or to, less about that shame, like, oh, my God, I feel my body, but more about, like, maybe I just haven't been taught to listen. Yeah, absolutely. No, hardly any of us have been taught to listen. Like, yeah. you know, Tara over here, like, got it going on here with her kid and her kids, and I'm trying to as well. So it's, we're doing better, but most of us weren't taught to how to, like, just slow down and listen. Um, everything's very cognitive and very production-oriented and, um, just kind of surviving and getting through. And it's like, eh, there's a lot more to life than um, that. It doesn't mean that was bad. It just means that it's not complete. And um, what I would say to people to remember too is like, when you're trying to make changes, whether it's body image and accepting your body more or being more attuned with what your body likes and needs to be satisfied and nourished, or you have a health condition that you're trying to manage with intuitive eating, it's, Cognitive time is three times um, faster than body time. So you might understand something like, let's say body positivity, but it's going to take you a little longer, like literally in your cells to like be embodied with that, be on board with that, feel like that's a, so be kind, be gentle. That's why, you know, having your, your practitioners to help you and support you is important to like kind of like build that new neural pathway like this is your new normal now so be patient with yourself because knowing something is different than like like you said embodying it like being it and feeling like that's just natural so it takes time and compassion and being curious and um but it's possible and um in my opinion it's a matter of time not of like if i like that too oh that's a good place I think that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful place to end. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy, for joining us. Yes, thank you. We are our, our first guest. Honor. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. This went wonderful and easy breezy. So thank you both for having me so much. Um, I know you all, if, they, if you need to contact me, you guys have all the info to share if they, if they want to get that. And um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And as soon as we get everything loaded, we'll have the links that you sent us, and then um, we'll throw on anything else like if we that we've mentioned. I'll try to uh, provide some links or some resources and information as well um, for you guys out there. And thank you again, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Thank you.